Welcome to the Transform Podcast, a podcast devoted to discussions of how the biblical worldview transforms all of life. I'm your host, Corey Barnes. In our Transformed interview series, we meet with experts from various fields to discuss topics relevant to the biblical worldview. Today, we're privileged to have Ryan Matherly on the podcast. Ryan is a pastor of youth and college at Pleasant Valley North Baptist Church in Rome, Georgia. In addition to his role at PVN, Ryan is also pursuing a Master of Divinity at Reformed Theological Seminary in Atlanta. Ryan has a passion for integrating academics and ministry in his own ministry and for equipping others to do the same. And Ryan, we've appreciated you being on campus at Shorter before to talk to our students and kind of help them engage with how what they're doing in the classroom is going to relate beyond the classroom. And it's a blessing to have you on the podcast today, brother. Man, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you having me. I don't know about, I don't know that I would qualify as an expert in a field yet, but uh, that that's certainly the goal, I guess. Yeah. Well, you're, I, I think the, the, the way that that still applies, man, is that you're doing what we want these students to do, and that's become you know lifelong learners. And something we're going to talk about in a moment is uh, how you're proof positive that education is about more than just getting a job, because you've got a job and you're in a you know you're really in a large church and you know doing well on that, but still pursuing education. And so, so I'm thankful to have you here, man. Um, well, Ryan, let's start with a question um, uh, that that I, I think really is on the mind of a lot of our students and listeners to the podcast, and it's it's what we just touched on. So. You're at Pleasant Valley North. That's one of the larger churches in the Floyd County area. Um, it's, a, it's a larger church for a Southern Baptist church. Uh, you're over youth in college there. You've been there how many years now? So October is actually the start of my seventh year. Seventh year. I mean, so you've been there for a while and been doing this for a while. So obviously you're not pursuing the MDiv at RTS just to get a job. You've got the job. Yeah. So what's the value of education beyond just uh, getting a job? Why did you decide to pursue and continue pursuing a degree when the job is already locked in? Yeah, for sure. So, so for me, in terms of just being a pastor and a Bible teacher, I'm, I'm very much a podcast guy. Uh, I've probably listened to 500 John Piper sermons and, and just as many by Tim Keller and Matt Chandler and those guys. But for me, uh, over the course of a couple of years while I was, so I interned at PVN first, that's part of that seven year chunk, but while I was interning at PVN, I really began to feel this deep tug uh, in my mind that I needed something deeper than just the podcasts. And, and here's what I mean, you know, you can listen to podcasts and sermons and do your own Bible reading for yourself, and that's great, and you should, but a sermon on 1 Peter 1, 1 through 3, is really just going to focus on those verses. Um, a sermon on John 11 is really only going to focus on John 11. And I was kind of piecemealing it like that, little pieces and chunks as I listened to podcasts or sermons and, and did my own study. But I really felt this deep calling a few years ago, this deep pull that I needed to learn from someone with a 10,000-foot view of all of Scripture. Uh, I don't have that on my own. So in my own study... I just I couldn't see how the whole thing fit together. Um, for example, a couple years ago, I listened to a sermon series on Exodus, and and it was excellent. It was really good. But at the end of the series, I didn't really get how Exodus fit in with the rest of the Pentateuch, or or much less with the rest of the Bible. Um, and since I didn't have that, I was missing out. Since I didn't see how Exodus fit in with the rest of the Bible, that actually impacted my ability to teach Exodus itself. Mm. Um, you know, people might say, who cares that you didn't get the big picture? You've got the sermon series on Exodus right there. But but here's what a lot of people don't get, I think. Getting the big picture of the Old Testament as a whole 
will actually help you preach from specific books of the Old Testament. Um, for example, if someone's doing repairs on your car, you don't want them to only know how certain pieces of the car work. You want, you know, I want them to know how that part fits in with and affects the whole car. That I think that makes them a better mechanic is if they see how the whole car works together, that will then help them with the individual pieces. And in the same way, you know, seeing the Bible as a whole helps you teach those specific books as well. So, you know, why pursue an MDiv when you've already got the job? Well, for me, I knew pursuing an MDiv would give me a full view of the Bible, and that's what I needed to be better at my job, mm-hmm. yeah. essentially. Yeah, well, that and that's helpful, man. I think that uh, some of what you're talking about there, about all the resources that are currently available to, well, really to anyone, it's challenging not only from the student perspective, but from the educator's perspective as well, because mm-hmm. something that we're really looking at a lot, and at least that I'm looking at a lot, yeah is asking the question of, well, when there's got, you know, when, when you can go listen to John Piper sermons or, you know, whenever you can uh, get a daily dose of biblical Greek and a daily dose of biblical Hebrew through emails and social mm-hmm. media and those kind of things. And those, by the way, for our listeners are just, um, if you're interested in that, those are just some services available that you can sign up for and kind yeah. of have someone teach through those things with you. Yeah. So there's a challenge from an educator's perspective of just, if all of this is available, why do students still need me? Mm. But I think, you know, students do still need that perspective and part of it is to see those people with the what you call the 10,000 foot view right that mm-hmm. they're they're really out there and they've really got an understanding of how the whole bible fits together i, I would add to that that the relationships are essential mm-hmm. um, and that's something that uh, with my students not only the students that i continue to have in the classroom that are currently a part of our classes at shorter mm-hmm. but students that i've had over the years is that um it's a relationship where myself and other professors become a resource to them mm-hmm. throughout their ministry careers. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I think, um, you know, one of the examples that I use when teaching the Bible or when reading your Bible, it's almost like walking through the Grand Canyon or walking through a forest. Like there's never going to be, you can never compare it to just you walking through it on your own. The stuff that you'll see uh, in the trees and the rock formations, the stuff that you'll learn that stuff is invaluable, and, and only you can see some of that stuff. But at the same time, you've got to have a guide. walk. If you're walking into a forest that you've never been in before, it's very easy to get lost. It's very easy to, to, to use the pun, to, to lose the forest for the trees and to get confused and turned around. You need that guide in addition to that personal walkthrough that you're doing. They, they've got mm-hmm. to... When you can use both of those things, that's when you can really see the forest for, for what it is. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, that's helpful, Ryan. So uh, another thing that uh, I wanted to talk to you about as we're talking about education, a lot of our listeners are not pastors or students sure. preparing for pastoral ministry, sure. um, but many of our listeners are lay leaders at their local church or members at their local church. Um, what would you tell them, just church members that don't feel a particular call to ministry, but but do feel a concern for the health of their local body? What would you tell them about why they should value education in the pastoral staff at their church? Yeah, yeah. So two reasons. One, you know, why should they value education in their pastoral staff? Well, one, do you want your surgeon to be a professional with a deep knowledge of the human body? Or do you want him to only care about SEC football and he hasn't read a medical journal in years? Because mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, you know, well, people say, well, I would never want my surgeon. I wouldn't go to that guy as a surgeon. Well, unfortunately, 
I think that's the state of a lot of pastors, uh, particularly in the South. Um, you know, I've, I've, I'm only 30, and I've only been in the ministry for a total of six years going into seven, and, and already many of the things that I knew have changed and have been changed and deepened through continuing education. Um, for example, I used to think David and Goliath was about how you fight your personal battles, and, and that truth is in there. But, but at, the, at the root of it, you know, we're not David, right? Um, we're, we are the, the scared Israelites, and David goes forward as our representative. It, it points to Christ in so many other ways. And I didn't know that the first time I, thought, I, I taught it. So thank goodness I kept learning. Thank goodness for continuing education. Even in that short span for college, our Sunday school class, we're going through Revelation and I went through chapter 4, which is really heavy symbolism and, and talks about the 24 elders. Well, right after I taught that lesson a few weeks ago, I listened to a sermon on Revelation 4 that explained the 24 elders in a much better, clearer way. And, and again, it's just one of those where that's just an example of, thank goodness I kept learning. Uh, Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, be diligent in these matters and absorbed in them so that everyone can see your progress, right? Um, the Bible requires thought and correction. We, we've got to be a people of the book who continue to progress. And I think, and, and I don't know that that always has to mean seminary level education, but I think a lot of times pastors that I have come into contact with, good, good people, but they've stopped learning. They, they've just kind of accepted their system and their mode of exegesis and and their way of viewing the Bible, and they have, they've stopped. They've just put it in park, and that can be so damaging. Um, secondly, if, and it kind of ties in, but if a pastor won't continue learning, then they won't be able to continue helping. Mm -hmm. um, pastors have to educate themselves because the Bible doesn't change, but the culture changes. And therefore, how we connect the Bible to culture has to change. For example, I don't think you can really ask people, not that you, you never can, but I don't think the best method is if you died tonight, are you sure that you would go to heaven, right? Classical evangelism technique. Now, heaven is true and the Bible is right, but in our culture, if the people you're talking to don't even believe in heaven in the first place, well, that question that you've asked them no longer applies the way it did 30 years ago. You've got to change how you have that conversation. Um, the best pastors in history didn't just exegete the text, they exegeted the times that they were in. Mm -hmm. They knew how to connect the Bible to that. So so wanting your pastor to be and continue to be educated is like wanting your surgeon to be educated and continuing in education. It's it's really, you know, you're not just looking out for your pastor, you're actually looking out for your own spiritual well-being. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an especially your second point there is something that I think is really vital. The world's changing fast. I was having a conversation with a student about this, I think just yesterday, mm. and I was talking to them about the tremendous amount of change that's taken place in the last century. As we look back through history, we can go through times where a 500-year span might not really yield a lot of cultural change. Mm -hmm. um, but we have gone in the last 100 years from uh, being an agricultural society where a lot of people work the ground with mules yeah. uh, to putting men on the moon to a digital economy. Um, all of that has changed very quickly. And what, you're absolutely right. Pastors need to keep up. That doesn't mean that pastors have to be uh, compendiums of culture. They don't have right. to understand everything about culture. Right. 
but as they're understanding the word, word and going to the word and constantly digging deeper into the word, they're going to need to understand new ways that the word applies to the culture. Mm-hmm. That's not because there's new things in the word. The mm-hmm. eternal truth of the word stands, right. but it's applying to culture in new ways. Yeah, yeah. Being able to, and again, I think I also think there is there's a subconscious humility to it, mm-hmm. like a willingness to admit that. And and you know, if a pastor stops actively trying to grow and learn even if they don't say it outright and even if they don't mean it outright the fact is it's almost a way of saying okay i've got it figured out thanks you know what i mean and 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 again even even if that's not what they mean that's the effect it's going to have when, when you stop trying to Learn. There's a humility to learning your culture. And again, like mm-hmm. you said, in no way am I, I advocating that that the pastor has to be immediately ingrained into the heartbeat of everything that's going on, or else their teaching doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The Bible is timeless, um, but we're not. Yeah. So you've got to be able to. And I think education helps you in that process. Yeah, that's right. And you said this in your original answer. It's not that education is required. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you and I, we're both, uh, you know, we're both Southern Baptists, Great Commission Baptists. Like sure. we, we have this uh, built into our denomination. There's no requirement for our educational requirement for ordination or service as a pastor. Yeah. However, I would something that that shows me the value of education is not just educated pastors, but it's effective pastors who have not gone the seminary route, hmm. and to look at those guys and to say. Man, you're just all about learning. Mm-hmm. Like, like you have just you have just learned. You've just not done it through the traditional, right. uh, in the traditional means. And most of the time, when I talk to those guys, they say, "Yeah, you know something. This really is not the way. It's not the path God led me down. It's not. It's not the path I took. But it's the normal path, mm-hmm. and it's a good path. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think that's something that you know. Again, applying this to people in the church. If you if you were say you're on a pulpit committee, or say that you were on a committee to call a youth pastor. And you were considering a candidate who had not gone to seminary or didn't have uh, a degree from an undergraduate institution in some type of Christian ministries, Christian studies type of degree, I would not at all rule that candidate out. Mm -hmm. I would make sure to ask them some very pointed questions about why haven't you pursued that? Do you plan to pursue it? Mm -hmm. And then how are you studying to show yourself approved if you haven't gone through that traditional means of education? Correct. That's what I would say too. If I was an an elder on that board or a search committee or a deacon, I would ask, and they hadn't pursued further ed, that's Mm -hmm. that's okay. But again, to your point, I would ask why, and I would say in what ways as you work here are you going to pursue further ed and it needs to be more than just your own. Randy Pope at Perimeter talks about, you know, someone asks him, why do I need a Bible study group? I've got the Bible. I know how to read. Why can't I do it? And Randy uses the example of um, he plays a lot of golf. And he says, you know, you could play golf by yourself and have a kink in your swing. And if nobody's there to help you understand that, you've been playing golf your whole life, but it could have been so much better. You've been playing it wrong. I would want to see... And again, I think it comes back to that humility of I would want to know in what way are they seeking to pursue further ed. Uh, and, and not just are they seeking to pursue it, let's go a step further or a step back. Do they see the value of it? Because mm-hmm. um, if they don't, and I as an elder do, I feel like there's going to be some clashing that's going to take place. We need to be on the same page in terms of education. The yeah. pastor and the congregation... 
or at least the, the power brokers of a congregation to say it that way, they need to be on the same page in terms of what does education look like as a pastor mm-hmm. in the ministry? What does that look like? And Because if, if they agree, that church culture is going to be so much different than it would be otherwise. Yeah, no, that's great. And, that, and we see that in the scriptures of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit corrects and sharpens our doctrine through community. Mm-hmm. And the education's not the only part of that. For sure. Um, in fact, I would actually say the primary method of that is the congregation and the, the, the fellowship and community of the local church. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we see in the book of Acts, whenever Paul preaches the Bereans, what do they do? They come together, examine mm-hmm. the scriptures, and then see that this is what God is teaching them. Yeah. Uh, so, Ryan, as we're, as we're moving to a close, uh, I wanted to talk to you some about your preaching and how education informs your preaching. Yeah. I've, been, I've been blessed to hear you preach several times. Uh, we're always excited whenever you get to come and share with mm-hmm. students on our campus, or you know, we even had you speak at a conference for uh, middle yeah. school and high school students last right. year, and that was a great experience. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do you, how do your studies at RTS inform your preaching? Can you give kind of some specific examples there? Yeah. Um, you know, this was, this was probably the hardest one for me to answer because then the thing I wrote here is education doesn't just impact my preaching. Education, it is my preaching. Um, in the pulpit, you know, I'm, I'm just pouring out what I've already been filled up with. Uh, I think one of the best examples was in my communication and preaching class at RTS. So I was taught in that class that only God's Word can bring people to life. Um, only God's Word can bring new life. So I was taught because of that, in your preaching, you've got to stay tethered to the text, is what is what my professor called it. So, of course, you can tell stories and use examples, but do them only in so far as it helps communicate the text. Um, God's word is the only thing that can bring people to life. Not my personality, not my intensity. Only a clear proclamation of the text, and so that's probably the biggest way that my seminary education has impacted my preaching is that it. Specifically, it taught me that God's word is what opens up uh, people's hearts. But you know, as you were talking about the ancient Christianity, I cannot remember the the author, but there's a great book called Destroyer of the Gods, and it's about how Christianity just obliterated so much of the polytheism in ancient Rome. And a huge reason is because Christianity was the only religion of the time that was based on a book. So much other religion, especially in the Roman Empire, was ritualistic, mystical, um, give this offering to this God for this harvest or for this fertility, et cetera, et cetera. But Christianity wasn't like that. It was based on letters and the Old Testament and, and a study of the book. So putting that into our day and age, education is is not just, and again, not maybe not seminary education per se, but but seminary, or excuse me, but education is not just important. I would say it's necessary. Yeah. Uh, I would say it's absolutely. And and you know, I know I know we've talked about it doesn't have to be seminary, but I would certainly encourage more people to pursue classes in seminaries mm-hmm. um, or further ed in general if they can afford it. Um, you can also do in seminary though what's called auditing a class, at mm-hmm. least at RTS, where instead of paying hundreds of dollars for the class, you like for example at RTS you pay eighty. And you don't have to take the tests or quizzes unless you want to. But, I mean, we've had tons of people. We'll go around the class, and they'll say, you know, name, where you're from, why are you taking this class? And we'll have people say, well, I'm taking Hebrews to Revelation because next next year I'm leading a Bible study on Hebrews, and I want to learn more about it. That Those options are open. And to your point, 
at the beginning, the incredible amount of resources that students have um, of all ages and of all denominations. Um, it's just endless. I mean, blogs and, and articles and sermons and iTunes University and all these different places. Education is key to mm-hmm. who we are. If we really are a people, if our religion really is based on a book, and if that book really is the Word of God, then we should do the best we can to try to learn more about it. Yeah, that's a great word, brother. Uh, if you're if you're listening to this, one of the things that I hope you take away from what Ryan has said in this last answer, um, what does good theological education look like? That's a question that needs to be asked. Yeah. What is good theological education? Good theological education is theological education centered in being better readers and mm-hmm. proclaimers of the of the word of God. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. it's not just about effective methodologies, right. and it's not just about social theory. It's about the 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 understanding and proclamation of the word of God for the people of God. Right. So, um, and uh, and so I would encourage you if you're a, if you're a member of a church and there's seminary a seminary or seminaries that serve your church and denomination. Uh, it's not it's not out of the question to mm-hmm. ask the leaders of those schools to say how are you equipping people uh, to study the word of God and that's a question at, at shorter university we would welcome yeah. is how are you equipping people to to teach and preach Amen. the word of God well thank you for listening to the Transform podcast and, and Ryan thank you so much for joining us brother it's been a blessing to have you on anytime man thanks for having me. Transformed is a resource provided by Shorter University, a Christian liberal arts university in Rome, Georgia. For more resources provided by Transformed, including podcast episode, book reviews, and articles, check out transformed.shorter.edu. For more information on Shorter University, go to shorter.edu. Our regular podcast episodes are currently finishing up a series on the Nicene Creed, and we're getting ready for the the two weeks leading up to the election uh, to discuss some things about how Christians process political elections. We look forward to you joining us for that conversation.